Hello, hello, and welcome to Drafting the Dregs for all things Draft Fantasy Premier League. Uh, my name's Isaac. I'm with you today, and uh, we've got Dave Gilby and Mick with us. And I thought we'd start this podcast off just with a quick three-word summation of how our game week went. Uh, Dave, we'll start with you. Your three words. How was your game week? Uh, one word, two names. Improvements, Varane and Werner. Oh, very nice. Interesting. I'm sure we'll discuss that a little bit more. Gilby, what do you got your game week? I'm going with could have been worse. Oh, oh, interesting. Mick, what have you got? Off the bottom. <laughs> Off the bottom. Lovely. And uh, mine would be uh, chasing down Gilby. So I think we've got a little bit to talk about there. It's uh, going to be a good one today. And uh, as we did last week, we are going to kick off uh, by talking about our... Oh, before we do that, social media plugs. I almost forgot it again, Dave, and I'm going to throw to you on this one. Um, can you please just plug our socials for those people who tend to listen to the first minute of us dribbling on and then turn off? What, what, what are our socials? Where? How can people get a hold of us? Uh, only Twitter at this stage, at drafting underscore dregs. So hit us up on there, send us any feedback, like, retweet, send us some requests, some questions, things to chat about. Ab- yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're trying to retweet lots of other um, FPL sort of content creators as well because uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on. You might be able to find some good information from other people too. So we'll keep doing that. But please get in touch. We would love to hear from you. Okay, moments of the week. We've, we've all uh, had a bit of a think and we have a, a moment of the week that we can uh, each discuss. Um, I'm going to go with Gilby first. Maybe let's get uh, some of the... Uh, I think the, the majority are actually a little bit comical and a little bit sad. So we'll go with the sad one. Gilby, um, let's go with yours, please. What's your moment of the week? Uh, the horror show reaching, hopefully, its peak for Arsenal supporters uh, with their 5-0 battering from City, who, without a striker, managed to put five past them. So, in the highlights so far of Arsenal's season, just looking pure statistics, they've conceded 14 big chances. Um, they have 21 defensive slips, um, two errors leading directly to goals, and they've conceded the second most shots in the entire division. So it's not looking good at all. And as anyone would know, um, one of the best watches, if you just want to wallow in misery, is watching Arsenal Fan TV after a loss, (laughs) particularly this week with a few of the old Arsenal fans uh, doing everything short of wanting to hang, draw and quarter um, Arteta and everybody else. So that's always a good watch if you feel like wallowing a little bit as an Arsenal fan. Oh, yeah, maybe maybe they should just start with some of the players for that. Uh, poor old Arteta just can't really catch a break at the moment. But uh, yeah, sad little story there with, with poor old Arsenal. Uh, Mick, let's head over to you. Moment of the week. Now, we'll talk about your Mix Magic Multi soon, but this had a big impact on that Magic Multi. So what was your... Um, yeah, it yeah. definitely did. Um, my moment was the Rhys James handball, red, more, not necessarily the handball, more the red card. Um, now, don't read into that that I necessarily disagree with it. Uh, probably more the process of it, and I think the referee's actions, which I think some of the uh, 
commentators pointed out or the, the analysis after the game pointed out as well. Um, pretty much for me, I think no doubt hits the hand. It's a penalty. Um, I think the initial contact, no deliberate, no malice. I think it could have been gotten away with it. The big thing for me is you notice how his hand swings forward, makes it look very obvious that he's trying to hit the ball away. That's the issue for me. Uh, the big thing from that, though, is when you see that, obviously, VAR, they go over and check it. Perfect use of VAR in a lot of senses. It got the penalty right um, and the red card, in my opinion, right. But the way the umpire, the ref, sorry, went over, looked at the screen, just looked at a still picture. So for me, from the still picture, it doesn't actually show the red card. It's the arm swinging forward, hitting the ball away from the goal. That's the red card. So a little bit strange the way they looked at that one as well. Um, but yeah, that, that red card, kind of a turning point in that match, for me anyway. Um, I think Liverpool were starting to get ascendancy, but that kind of ruined the spectacle, really, of what could be two of the top teams this season. Probably definitely two of the top four with uh, Man City and probably United. Um, but yeah, ruined what could have been a great game. Couple of things I just want to comment on, Mick, and I'll ask you a question first. You might have said it, I might have missed it. Do you think it was a red card? Firstly, yeah, yeah, I think it's because there's a lot of people who are saying no, definitely not a red, definitely a penalty, but not a red. And I suppose my thoughts on that is okay, sure. If if you're saying it's definitely a penalty and it's not a red, then all you're really saying is well, uh, the the consequences that well a goal's been dis it would have been a goal right so the the ball didn't actually go on the back of the net but it definitely would have and if you're only willing to give a penalty and not actually send the man off then at that point in time you're only giving the the attacking team the opportunity to put the ball on the back of the net again with no other consequence because they might miss the penalty yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm no referee. Maybe one day we'll get Jeff on here and we'll just break down every key moment in the season and he can just <laughs> run his eye over it, being a referee and all. Um, if anyone wants to go to sleep one night, we'll put that one on. Um, but what we'll do, <laughs> um, yeah, like I was saying is, for me, it comes off his thigh and goes into his hand. That's, that makes it a handball because, like you said, it was going to go in the goal. So, yes, I think that's a penalty. The red card comes is after he's noticed it's hit his hand. I almost think it hits his hand twice or that he almost catches it and throws it forward. Yeah, It's that throwing of the arm forward that, make for me, makes it a red. That makes it deliberate and he's used his arm to not just stop a goal but to, I guess, remove the chance. Because I'm pretty sure he it came forward off his arm. They got an immediate yeah. clearance from it and then it turned around. So if he hadn't have swung that arm forward, and because it was right in line with the posts, his arms are behind the line, and then suddenly his right arm is so far in front. So it was in a natural position, but then he moves it out of the natural position and obviously uses his arm. So, yeah, for me, it's a pretty much yeah, a pretty I, I like that point of view. I've, I've just heard lots of people try and argue the other way, and I just I can't put, get my head around it if you're, you're not going to give that attacking team some advantage when they could just miss the penalty anyway. So, yeah, interesting insight. Um, Dave, Another something else to do with the penalty. What do you got? Yeah, my uh, my moment of the week is the Everton penalty. So, um, Veltman barged the guy off the ball and went to the VAR. Everton, rightly in my opinion, awarded the penalty. Uh, but the fun bit was what was going on in the background with my old mate Ricky from Rio trying to take the ball and take the penalty while uh, 
DCL had other ideas and a little bit of a scuffle um, occurred, but DCL won the right <laughs> to take the penalty um, and put it away. So for me, I, I don't mind seeing that. I'm not an Everton fan by any means, um, but yeah, it's always good to see that players are super keen to get involved and that passionate about things. Um, once the penalty had been scored, old mate Ricky from Rio was over there and almost a big part of the celebration. <laughs> so he slightly put it behind him. But yeah, that was my uh, moment. Very nice. I actually heard someone say there could have been some confusion in that uh, Ricky thought, well, that the, the idea was that uh, it would be alternate penalty takers. So it would go from... DCL to Ricky, but because DCL took one in the previous game, it was actually just like in the game if there was two penalties that they would alternate. So I think he might have got his wires crossed there, which are they coming. Yeah, Ancelotti came out afterwards and said that if there had been two penalties, they had said that DCL was first and Ricky from Rio would have taken the second. So that might have been the drama there. But in any case, if Ancelotti was clear about that beforehand and Ricky decided that he was taking this penalty and he was not keen to give it up despite basically being confronted by the Everton captain and another player, I think it was Seamus Coleman in there, and then his countryman uh, Alan had to come over and grab him as well. And I think at full time, he did not look happy either. He was still complaining <laughs> about something. So that might have been an interesting dressing room afterwards. By Ancelotti, do you mean Benitez now, or is Ancelotti from last year? Sorry, Benitez, yes, the current Everton manager. Yeah, cool. Cool, that's Very great. nice. Look, we'll round this up with my moment of the week. Now, I'm not going to get too many opportunities, I don't think, to throw Crystal Palace in my moment of the week. But this involves both West Ham and Crystal Palace, sort of equally, because there was a space of sort of two or three minutes of play where there were two cracking goals scored pretty much back-to-back. And I think I thought it was just worth taking taking a bit of time to talk about those two goals. The first one being West Ham. They were, it was one all, so they, they had an opportunity to go 2-1 up. Uh, Creswell lobbed it over the top to Antonio. Um, Antonio was able to shrug off the defender, got a, um, um, the, the Palace defender got ahead to it, but hit Antonio right in his path as he's running towards goal on the left and just hit a cracker of a first-touch volley um, to the beating Guaida at the near post. And it was just an absolute stomper of a goal. I thought that was fantastic. And then to follow that up just minutes later with um, the ball um, being cut into the box, uh, Conor Gallagher in there, being able to get two touches. The second touch, just like a superb um, back heel cut into himself, swivels, and then beats their keeper near post as well with a, a really nice shot. So just those that, that two or three minutes of play was sensational from both teams, especially considering, you know, Palace have a pretty difficult run. Um, that goal and that point would have meant an absolute lot. And the fact that they hadn't scored any goals in the lead up to that match to score two and it to be Conor Gallagher, who uh, is on loan from Chelsea. He, um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a good player for us. Like I said last week, I think I sort of backed him that he's the one who's going to get into the box from midfield and really cause havoc. So, that was just really excellent to see, and I just thought that was a really good two or three minutes of play. So I wanted to wanted to bring that one up and and get Crystal Palace in the conversation at least for a little bit. Um, look, what we'll do, we will move on to our game week three predictions. Um, before we do, I just thought 
I, I haven't put this past the boys, but I thought that we could just have a, a moment or two to bow our heads in respect to a great player who is now not in the Premier League, who has been released by his club of 11 years. And that is the, the talisman. I think I know where you? this is going. Do you? That, that is for the, the, the talisman, Troy Deeney. I think um, he's been a great servant. Yeah, so, I boys, if we just bow our heads for a second and, um, and, and just pay our respects. Okay, that's too long. Dave, what are your thoughts? Just really quickly, mate. He's leaving. He's put in a good good shift for the club. Um, what do I think? Very polarizing. And in saying that, I'm one of the few people that doesn't venture to either of those poles. <laughs> I sit somewhere in the middle. Um, troubled in his early days at Watford. Um, but yeah, definitely been a great um Great player, great captain for us. Um, great interactions with the fans the whole way through. Uh, has never been accused of not putting in 100%. And he capped off what is my favourite Watford memory, which was the uh, championship semi-final goal against Leicester. So uh, Manuel Almunia makes two brilliant saves uh, from the penalty spot. Um, ball goes up the other end. I think we're in about the 94th minute and, yeah, falls to Dini, puts it in the back of the net to send us through to a playoff final that we won't... What happened mention. in that final, Dave? Um, yeah, what, who was the remember. team that was versed? Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> in the past. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, you know, great player for Watford, but... It's been coming for a few seasons now. He's going to his boyhood club, Birmingham, and no one's going to begrudge him for that. So no, good that's luck good. to him. And, you know, always a, a good producer of FPL points as well. Um, you know, in his day when he was just, you know, bossing the, the centre of the park. On yeah, the park. Well, yeah, absolutely. When he was on the park and his knees were functioning. Um, all righty. Yep. Let's go back into our game week three predictions. Let's start with Mick. Mick, you have the honour of... Always putting to us a, a mix m- magic multi every week. Um, West Brom's not in the Premier League, so we give you the pick of all of the games to decide which one you are going to put forward. Give us uh, a bit of an idea of what the game was, how it turned out, and was your mix magic multi a success? No, I mean, unsurprisingly, it wasn't a success. Uh, I wouldn't be here on this podcast if it was. I'd be out uh, gallivanting in somewhere that's not uh, beautiful Rockhampton. Um, but yeah, 2-1 to Chelsea. Lukaku first goal score was my prediction. Um, obviously, that makes Chelsea-Liverpool my game of the week. Um, in terms of the scoreline, 2-1 Chelsea, without the red card that we've already spoken about, I, that was a legitimate chance of potentially happening. Um, Chelsea got on the board first, which I think they had to do to really have a chance of coming away with the win. Um, if they didn't score first, they were, I don't think they're a team that really plays from behind well. Um, they definitely like to lead and then, I guess, try and defend a lead uh, is their way of playing. But yeah, the, the, the red card really stifled the flow, made them sit back. Um, 
in terms of how that relates to my fantasy team, I mean, um, I think this week I dropped Chilwell. Um, I've had him since the start of the season. I thought that was probably a bit of a risk. I thought there was actually quite a good chance Alonso would get dropped, being against Liverpool, a more defensive-minded left-back. Um, I'm somewhat glad he didn't. I think it justifies my decision. I know Tuchel's come out since then and said why he didn't play and since his uh, workload over the summer and stuff. But... Um, or more the point, he had time off after the Euros is probably the biggest thing. Um, but yeah, I thought particularly after the red card, I thought he was a chance to come on and solidify into a back, th- um, I guess, four or five. I think they stayed as a five the whole time. Um, Chilwell instead of Alonso. But no, Alonso stayed on. They still had some chances in the second half. I think the penalty was obviously the big chance. Um, but I mean, a team like Liverpool... Surprising they didn't, but I guess that just shows Chelsea being Chelsea and as good as they are at the back, they didn't really give up any too too many big chances. So yeah, that that's that's pretty much my rundown. Obviously, Lukaku first goal scorer, Havertz got it, which I'm more than happy with. He got a goal for it was me. Was a cracker too. Um, quite a good flick header. Yeah, great, great flick header. I don't know how much he knew about it, but he just kind of put it in the area. But hey, it doesn't matter how it goes in; they all count. And I know that from personal experience. If it goes in, it counts. Doesn't matter how. Uh, Gilly, what do you got on that, mate? No, the only interesting thing I looked at uh, was I was looking at see, the average positions of the um, teams. Mm. And um, I've noticed particularly, and this has started happening a little bit more, um, Dave's pickup TAA is playing more as an inverted wing back and actually cutting in and actually get into the box more than he ever has before, rather than stay out wide and whipping crosses in. So what they seem to be doing is TAA is coming into the box, cutting in, and Salah is actually drifting wider. So it makes TAA probably more dangerous for goals, maybe not as good for assists, but it drops the value of Salah, because uh, Salah's only big chance in the match was the penalty which he scored. So if he stays on penalties, then great. I don't know, um, our mate Jeff, who has Salah, will be... Looking forward to more contributions from Salah. But really interesting that TAA is playing more inverted this year and actually kind of playing as almost like an attacking midfielder when they're in attack. I'm sort of looking forward to Jeff thinking that, oh, he's not got, Salah's out wide and not going to score as many goals. I, I better put him, better drop him and, and put him back in the waiver. That'd be fantastic. I'm, I'm really waiting for that. That'd be really good. Um, alrighty. So, Mick, you know. I mean, just quickly though, I know you say that uh, that's what TAA is playing at the moment, but. There was one ball when I was watching the match over the top to Jordan Henderson. Even if he stays wide, man, that kid can cross. <laughs> he can put a ball in. Like I think the only other right back in the league that can probably do that is Reese James. So um, those two, I think, are, I know you got a few English right backs in the league at the moment. But for me, in terms of defensively, they're both pretty solid, but more so attacking and set piece work. Um, yeah, I don't think <laughs> no one comes close to those two. No, fair enough. Look, uh, let's move on to Dave. Dave, you went with, uh, as your pick for a really good points haul, Villa-Brentford. Now, um, look, uh, a fan favourite for FPL, Tony, finally got us some points. What was your your make of that game? Did it give you all of the fantasy points that you were expecting? Uh, I wouldn't say that I was expecting it. I think I said there was definitely potential there for a few goals from both sides and uh, we got one apiece, but yeah, obviously no goals from Ings, for example, and he's started the season quite well. Um, but all the goals happened in the first 15 minutes, uh, and it was from 
two blokes who absolutely tore up the championship last year and they're on the board in the Premier League now. So as you mentioned, Ivan Tony for Brentford, um, there was a bit of a goalmouth scramble and fell to him and he lashed it into the back of the net um, to get off the mark, which I was very happy about and long may it continue. Um, but the other one was Buendia, who uh, had a cracking season for Norwich last year, um, obviously now at Villa and trying to fill those uh, very large boots, uh, Leeds Festival dancing fluoro boots <laughs> of uh, Jack Grealish for anyone that saw those images uh, over the weekend. Um, yeah, got the ball, edge of the box, beautiful spin, Cracked it into the net for Buendia. Um, and that was pretty much the extent of that match. It was exciting. It was, you know, both teams had the chance to win it. Um, but they were the two big main talking points from that game. Um, unfortunately, Tony then went and got himself a yellow card. But, uh, yeah, still got an attacking return. And, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, very nice. And, um, look... Buendia was really highly owned in the FPL game at the very beginning of, of, of game week one. I'm sure he's probably cooled a little bit now and you've got to consider the fixtures coming up for Villa are really difficult. So if you've got him in your normal FPL, you might think to maybe um, trade him out for somebody else who's got some better fixtures. But if he's in the waiver, if you're in the, in the draft game, he might be a good little look. Um, you know, he's got that attacking potential. Uh, Gilby, you know... I, You've you got to think that he's still going to pick up some points here and there. Oh, look, Buendia, I really rated him highly and had the draft gone how I thought it would have, uh, he would have been one of my picks. Um, but what I was going to just uh, let everyone know, I was just reading earlier today that Emiliano Martinez and Buendia are both going to play for Argentina, which means they're going to miss round four. Uh, but they've confirmed that they're going to skip the Bolivia match which means they'll be back for round five or going to plan. So that might be something to uh, take into account when you're looking at those transfers, as Isaac was saying. Absolutely. And we're going to do a more detailed look at game week four next week because uh, we do have the uh, international break blues at the moment where there's no games on this weekend. You know, everyone's got a chance to take stock of their FPL and draft teams. And uh, yeah, we'll look a little bit more into that next week. So that will be good. Um, I might jump in here. Um, I went with Burnley Leeds, which uh, leading in, I thought would be a pretty open game. And it did turn out to be a really open game. I think the big thing or the big issue um, with this game in general was just the finishing. There was some pretty diabolical uh, shots at goal, which led to absolutely nothing. Both teams got in some really good positions and there was some pretty good scramble defense at times. But all in all... um, the shooting boots just weren't on. And, uh, you know, realistically, both goals came from deflected um, shots. So, you know, both big strikers, both big men in the in the box were able to get some deflections on, on some shots, which led to getting into the back of the net. Um, for example, Leeds, who, you know, have a lot of chances, and Rafinha was just horrible with his chances in that particular game. But... They didn't have a shot on goal until the goal they scored in the 85th minute. And the assist for that shot on goal was a shot off target. So that really just highlights the uh, some some of the issues that both of those teams were having on the day. Good game, end-to-end, open. 
but just the end product wasn't there and uh, didn't lead to as many points as I'd hoped. But I do have Bamford. He did pick up points, which is awesome. Um, first big attacking returns of the of the year, and I'm expecting more and more sort of sort of as we go on. Yeah, and just to jump in there, Isaac, um, I'm pretty sure you don't get extra points for milestone goals, uh, unfortunately. But I had Chris Wood in my fantasy team last year, uh, and he was brilliantly consistent for me. Uh, I thought he might have started the season a bit slow, having uh, gone to the Olympics. But yeah, he obviously scored Burnley's goal, and it was the 30,000th Premier League goal. So yeah, no extra fantasy points for that one, but good on him. Absolutely. It's a bit of a shame that you don't get 30,000 FPL points for, for a goal of that significance, but uh, you know, not to No, I don't have him this year, so I don't care. I'll Stop take him. him. Yeah, I'll like, take him. You definitely would, Mick, but you know, you're, you're on the bottom now. You don't need those points. You're phew, you're doing well. And we'll get, we'll get to maybe why you might have been doing better uh, a little bit later on. Uh, I think the only one we've got to go in terms of uh, our selections for Game of the Week was Gilby. Gilby, you went with uh, Spurs-Watford. Now, you were predicting that Kane would start and that he could be a pretty good shout. So uh, how did that one turn out? I see Dave shaking his head a little bit. So uh, obviously it went well for him, being a Watford fan. Yeah, no, well, I was mainly interested in it for the uh, sake of answering some of the questions that I had about Mm. both teams as to whether or not Kane would be the main man again this season and uh, who is going to actually be Watford's striker. So on both of those things, the questions have not really been answered uh, because (laughs) on the Spurs end, Kane started but only contributed a yellow card, did miss a pretty decent chance in the second half, but um, did look a little bit off the pace, which you kind of expect given all the drama, I suppose. Um, But yeah, Spurs, um, Son scoring again, an assist from Bergwin, who we were all pretty keen to slate as one of Dan's picks. I but... think the assist could also go to Backman, to be honest there, Gilby. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll leave that Any, for you to discuss anyway, a I'm bit sh- more. I'm sure Dan won't be complaining there, given he um, took Bergwin and we were pretty keen to slate him for that. Um, so he may well be laughing all Is the way to the Is he the pick of the draft so far? Um, Bergwin? <laughs> I wouldn't quite oh. go that far, um, but we'll see how we go. So... Uh, maybe Deli Ali. Ooh, calm down. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, here we go. I mean, his mustache have to give it worse there for that. But anyway, um, for Spurs, the couple of things I was interested in, um, in our league, lots of people were keen to bring in Spurs defenders, um, which we could see in the history there. Now, I brought in Dyer because um, I thought it was for me between him and Sanchez uh, for either one who would be equally valuable at the moment. And I saw someone else brought in Sanchez a bit later. I'm sure we'll probably talk about that later. Um, Spurs have not conceded yet. But the interesting thing I looked at when I looked more in the statistics, um, they've conceded the fourth most shots in the league with 31. So you'd have to say that maybe they've got a little bit lucky. Uh, Their expected goals are 4.4 less than what they should have. So it's probably coming. They maybe have got a little bit of the rub of the green so far. But interesting that the most shots in the league have actually been conceded by Burnley that we always associate with solidity. They've conceded 42. Our old friends Arsenal were second with 39, Leicester with 32, and Spurs with 31 are the top four. So a few questions there for Spurs. Um, maybe they can keep that rolling. 
We'll see how that goes. With uh, Dave's mates, Watford, um, started with Josh King up front this time. So really interesting to see if he can recapture some of the form that made him a fantasy hero for a few of us. Well, um, the manager has to try and get through um, his, you know, cycle through his 58 strike as he's got on the books. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has to has to maybe get the value up there for a few of them. Um, shipped out Danny and also shipped out Andre Gray. So there's two down <laughs> off the list. Yep, yeah, eight to go. Um, so um, the main attacking threats I saw from the game, just watching some of the hearts, looking at some of the statistics and the heat map and things, uh, were my old friend Saar and Emmanuel Dennis, who actually uh, impressed me again. Um, he actually looks like he'll be a really good pickup for Dave's boys there. Um, Saar, I'm considering looking at transferring depending on Watford's fixtures but I think he does look pretty solid so he may convince me to give him a few more rounds a couple of things from me one we look at Watford Dennis if we talk about the the regular fantasy game 5.2 million at the moment for a forward who's getting regular game time really good one maybe to bring in and again if he's in your waiver you might consider him if the fixtures are good and then I was just going to comment about Kane like he's so deep plays so deep at the moment, which is like, it obviously worked for him last year. He got lots of goals, lots of, lots more assists, but just in terms of his, you know, just in terms of his output on a regular basis over the course of the next, however many years he's going to do that. Like, I just don't understand how he's going to be able to maintain that sort of style of play and, and pick up and be effective. Essentially. I just feel like he's going to run himself ragged. Yeah, it kind of looked as if, um, from what I saw, he was sitting deep. It pushed Son further out right, but he stayed very far up the pitch, um, which obviously having Son in my team, um, I was you know happy to see. Um, but... Um, the other interesting one was, or for me personally, was Deli Ali. Um, he got pushed further left, kind of into the space that Bergwijn had been for the past few games. But again, playing quite far up the pitch. So, yeah, I'm still interested to see how Kane's inclusion is going to affect my fantasy assets. I'm quite happy for him to stay deep and feed the balls through to Son. <laughs> And Deli Ali. Oh, you're just going to keep rubbing in the fact that Son's scoring some goals and Mane's not for as long as possible. And I, I understand that. You know, it was it was a tough call when I didn't go for Son. And um, but uh, you know, he's he's going to be doing okay for the rest of the season if with especially Mate, with Kane there. The way back, the way Backman just stood back, watched, almost waited for a header to come that was never going to come because the ball was way too high for any of the attackers and then just watched it bounce into the far corner, uh, Son or Mane or, let's be honest, literally anyone else in the Premier League could have you scored You might have that. even scored it, Dave. Uh, no, probably <laughs> not. Uh, look, let's finish up this little part. I, I, I just I just remembered as I was you know, putting the, the run sheet together that, that Mick made a bold prediction at the end of this little section last time. He said, uh, can you remember what it was, Mick, actually, before I spilled the beans? You might have read the, the run sheet. Yeah, I do. Um, 
and I, I'll stick to it. And I, we spoke about it a little bit beforehand about one of the free agents you picked up last minute. And I said, there's one team that I guess statistically been underperforming, um, as in results haven't gone as well as they have. Been. They've been form, performing well, just haven't had the results that showed that. Um, and that was actually Wolverhampton against Man U. So against a team that you'd expect them to beat, um, as in Man U would expect to beat Wolves. And I said, if there was an upset of the week, I think that might be it. Obviously, it didn't turn out. It was 1-0, probably closer than people would have expected. Um, but Gilby's touched on it, and I've mentioned it here before, but expected goals, is it's becoming way more popular. But if you actually have a look at the stats from that game, expected goals, Wolverhampton 1.8, Manchester United 0.94. <laughs> So according to that, they should 100% have won. Um, and I guess with that as well, I was having a quick look at the table. We mentioned Arsenal. We've spoken about how bad they are. But they've actually conceded nine goals so far. Expected goals, they should have conceded 10. So they're actually Ooh. overperforming. Um, so that's something to keep in mind as well. But back to Wolverhampton, one of the reasons that they, I guess, have such a high expected goals, um, there was a chance by Romain Sace, the centre-back from Morocco, I think it might be, um, a header that got saved off a corner um, by De Gea, fell straight back to him. He's gone to put it bottom corner, and De Gea's made a cracking double save. So we spoke about um, David Rea from Brentford in first week, goal of the season, or sorry, save of the season. Um, and I reckon David De, Gea, David De Gea might have just about beaten him there. So there's some cracking goals that have come out so far. Um, saves, saves, sorry, yeah. cracking saves. But yeah, I think um, it was a bold prediction. Didn't quite come off, but again, it's one of those that I reckon very easily could have gone the other way. And we'll talk about some of the assets for Wolves that might be good with some better fixtures coming up. Yeah, with the De Gea double saves. So the first one, I mean, he would have done well not to save it because it was directed yeah. straight at him. Um, but the impressive bit uh, was that he was on the floor he used his left hand to push himself up, make himself big, and then quick reflex reaction with that left hand uh, to make the save. Um, just also touching on Wolves a bit, uh, Gilby mentioned when we were discussing the Spurs-Watford game uh, that Tottenham have conceded a huge number of shots. Uh a lot of that can be contributed to the fact that they've already played Wolves and Wolves, in terms of uh, their attack-mindedness, um, are right up there so far. So, yeah, I mean, those two kind of play hand-in-hand. Hand, but, yeah, obviously um, there was a chance for attacking returns in this game, uh, but they didn't come. And with that as well, you said Wolves have played them, but Wolves played Leicester as well. Um, and Leicester are significantly overperforming their expected goals as well. So I think Wolves have, might be the new Brighton of last year. Brighton should have performed way better according to expected goals. Is it a case of, I know with Brighton, it was just the fact that Neil Morpé up front didn't score and Danny Welbeck, I guess, was injured a lot of last season, but they just needed a striker to come in. Um, maybe Wolves are that same team with a guy like Raul Jimenez, you'd expect him to be pretty good, but... I mean, a fractured skull is not exactly an easy injury to come back from, but Adama Traore is one of those guys that he's always going to get in good positions. You just never know what quality of finish you're going to get from him. So, yeah, he, anything. he might get his body in good positions, except for his shoulder. So, you know, it's only a matter of time before that pops out again. Um, I just wanted to mention, while we're talking about this wolves Manu game, so I just want to get your guys' opinion 
Uh, in the lead up to the Greenwood goal, Paul Pogba lost control of the ball. Neves went in, was first to the ball, and Pogba came in over the top, late, and into Neves's shins. Now, in my opinion, that isn't quite as bad as the Xhaka two-footed lunge that got a red card. Uh, but I still think it was late. There was no control um, over the ball, into the shins. In my opinion, Paul Pogba should have been red carded and then there would have never been the chance for that Greenwood goal. Comment. I don't have too much to add, but I just wanted to jump in because I'm really keen to hear how Gilby's going to defend this one. So, Gilby, man, you, man, you tragic. How is 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 Paul Pogba a lucky boy? Yes, um, he was lucky, uh, definitely in terms of the decision. Uh, for me, uh, clear foul. Um, I probably would have come down on the yellow card side, if anything else. I don't think it demonstrated enough of a lack of control or recklessness that Jackers was to get to the red card level, but we were definitely very lucky not to concede a foul there. Uh, that For me, that was a clear foul. Um, I don't think it rose to that level. I mean, Jeff will have the keywords and everything um, of what they look for for a red card, and knowing Jeff, because it's a Manchester United player, he would say <laughs> red card and ban for the rest of the season. So um, I'm not sure we'll get a neutral opinion from a Liverpool fan there, uh, but we'll wait to see hear that in future episodes. But to me, it was a clear foul. I mean, one thing with that is VAR is around, and I'm just having a look at just this the wording about when they can use VAR, and it's for match-defining or match-changing scenarios. So goals, penalty decisions, direct red cards, and mistaken identity. Considering it led directly to a goal, could they not have reviewed it? And if that's the case, then it wasn't ser- obviously wasn't serious foul play for a red card because they would have directly looked at that. And seeing as it led to a goal, maybe they're saying it wasn't directly at the goal, um, but it was generally in the build-up. That was the point where they won the ball back. I guess the referees are looking at it and saying, no, it's not enough even for a yellow card, let a f- or foul even, which I probably agree with you there. Probably was a foul, but I don't know about a red card, that's for sure. I think we can agree that it had a big part to play in the lead-up of that goal. And realistically... It was a foul. It should have been called a foul, and that goal then wouldn't have happened. So it's you. You would have to think that VAR should be able to step in there, and and give that decision such that you know something's done to say, well, no, nah, that that's foul play there. That goal shouldn't have stood. So I think it's an interesting one. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I guess as the the year moves forward, if they look at that, if they adjust it, if they give more definition. But that's just my sort of my opinion on that. I think, um, yeah, it should have been stopped at that point. I love looking at Dave when he's in thought doing this and on mute. I think it's fantastic. I, I should have let it go for longer. Uh, Mick tried to do some hand signals, but uh, Dave, now that you may be back with us, thought, come on, what, what were you saying? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just thought Mick was just waving at his uh, wife walking past or something. But, <laughs> yep, I was on mute. That is correct. Um, and now the whole world knows. Yeah. I, 
I oh yeah, all five people. Thank you to me. those five people, um, by the way. Yes, the best five people. Uh, yeah, as I said, I think it should have been a red card. Um, but you know, taking that aside, I think at a bare minimum, no one could argue that the ref shouldn't have at least been called over to have a look at the screen. And if he has a look at the screen, and if he decides that Pogba got enough contact with the ball and wasn't as out of control as blind Gilby appears to think, then, you know, pay the goal. But it, it at least needs to be Well, fingers at. crossed they just don't show the, 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 the still of the studs in the... Uh... <laughs> in the shins but you know hey we'll, we'll yeah. have to see how that goes moving forward look i think that's a, a really good discussion to have it'll be interesting to see how, how how var is used moving forward i think they've got the balance a bit better this year for var though so that's been really really good um but look let's let's give the people what they want let's let's talk about our draft league let's have a quick rundown and then maybe go through uh, each of our teams so the rundown of our our league as it stands uh number one at the top is still Gilby uh, on 196 points. That is a fantastic effort uh, for for three rounds in. So Gilby's still on the top. Coming second is myself. Um, a few points behind, 176 uh, points in total. Number three is Jeff on 139. Then we've got Dave sitting pretty. Well, maybe, maybe not. On 139, just one point behind Def, uh, Jeff. Sorry, Dan is coming fifth. 126 points. Equal fifth is Mick, again, on 126 points. He was able to scrape himself off the bottom of the table. Ben is then coming seventh on 125 points, only one behind Mick and Dan. And then, unfortunately, languishing in the bottom, which is somewhat home for Nathan. I think um, that's sort of the position he sort of feels comfortable in after the uh, the last year or so. Uh, He may not agree with that, but he's on 120 points. So five behind Ben. Didn't have a a fantastic week to be able to maintain his position of seventh, so he's dropped to eighth. Um, Now, Gilby, you described your your game week as could have been worse. So, look, please tell us how it could have been worse. Please tell us just how bad it was, and um, did you make any significant changes to your your squad in the lead-up to this particular game week that maybe have contributed to it actually being worse? Um, so the main change I brought in, I've already touched on, I brought in Dyer, uh, having a look at the balance of my team and having a look at how Nuno set up, and I thought that that would be a good addition there. Um, but from what I say with could have been worse is um, mainly in comparison to everybody else. So for what I looked at where I only had three contributors above appearance points, um, where I completely blanked with my midfield, which theoretically should be one of the strongest points of my team, um, to only concede um, 12 points to, no, sorry, to concede 17 to Jeff and Dave, 15 to Mick and 12 to you, Isaac, um, I was really happy with. Um, so, I mean, the key highlight for me, three double-figure returns in a row for Antonio kind of salvaged it for me. Uh, DCL with the penalty, fighting off the tantrum from Ricky <laughs> from Rio, and uh, Dia come in with a shutout and one bonus point. So, could have been far worse if uh, either yourself or Jeff or David produced like an 80-point round. Um, I was pretty happy with how it went, considering... That was uh, comfortably my worst round, and I'm hoping that 
uh, Bruno Fernandes can get back to form and some of my midfielders can get anything above one point next week. I think what killed your midfield, um, well, one thing that killed your midfield, and probably not the thing, but um, obviously uh, Jota not starting that, that Chelsea game. Now, whether or not he would have scored points for you is a different matter, but just the fact that he, he didn't start probably wasn't uh, ideal. But having come on for a potential injury, does that leave you with some hope that he's going to be a more regular starter moving forward and, and get you some more of those points? Are you pretty confident that's going to be the case? Um, I think the international breaks kind of come at a bad time for me with that injury. Uh, I think it gives Firmino two weeks to return. And from what it seems so far, it seems like Firmino is going to play in the bigger matches and Jota may well be the man in the weaker matches. So uh, in those good matches where we expect Liverpool to maybe win 3-4-5-0, I think Jota will have a role to play. Um, whether or not he's up front in Firmino's spot or when Mane goes in the African Cup of Nations, um, that could be something to have a look at. I know Salah is affected as well. So I think his value is still there for me, even though traditionally I hate rotation players. Um, I'm prepared to hold him for now. I just wanted to add in as well with that. Um, yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Um, in saying that is with the big play, you said the big matches that Firmino is going to play. Um, you reckon that's more likely they're playing a false line. They want a more defensive striker out there. And in saying that, do you think that then means for those, I guess, games you said, whereas the 3 4 5 nil, does that make Mane and Salah less appealing with Jota being a more focal point in attack and Salah a better option against the bigger teams because, well, obviously penalties, but they're going to be playing at the highest point of their attack. Um, obviously, if you win 5-0, well, Jota's not going to score all five and Salah's going to get assists and other that as well. But is it a case of are Salah's points going to come across evenly across all matches rather than against the low teams? Before you only? jump in, Gilby, um, I would just say... I understand the logic there, Mick, but I don't think it's going to change the fact that Salah's going to be played every week. And it's not going to change the fact that is going to be played every week. I know what you mean, and, and the points might be a bit up and down with those different difficulty fixtures, but you've got to play those guys because they're just as likely to have a crack of a game and, and score a brace, even if it's against a Man City. But... Yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. I just don't think it's going to change when they're played because they'll always be played. That was just my two cents. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I agree with Isaac there. But, yeah, from what Mick was saying, um, Firmino, it seems like he isn't really ever going to be a more than maybe a five to ten goal season striker. And if you do happen to have him in your team, you hope to maybe nail that. Um, but I think he plays more of that false line, false nine defensive forward role, uh, where his work rate is always going to be really good. But I think your main sources of points in Liverpool are going to be your Salah and Mane. I, I think, Gilby, that this topic is going to be discussed a little bit. But I just wanted your take on your team with Fernandez being your sort of focal point and main point scorer. 
we've got a certain Ronaldo, Ronnie coming into the league, um, playing for Man United. <laughs> Was going to be Man City apparently, but no, Man United. Uh, what a difference 24 hours makes. Now, he's going to come in. You'd think he's going to play the majority of league games. You, you would think. They're paying him good money too. Surely he's going to be on pens and set piece. Like, I just cannot see how he's not. And I'd heard that, you know, Bruno was in his ear talking to him. And I could just imagine the conversation being like, I'll only come if you give me pens and set pieces. No, I'm sure that's not what he said. But I'd... Yeah, but yeah exactly. exactly. Pretty much like that, though. And nice accent there, Isaac. That was You're a very good attempt. I like that. Um, and so I'm just thinking, how does that change Fernandez as an asset for you? And can I expect him to pick him up in a waiver? Just before, I guess, you answer that one, I had a quick look at Portugal's most recent games where the two of them played together, and Ronaldo is 100% the penalty taker. Yeah, I saw that too. Um, He definitely means that had I known that Ronaldo was going to come, um, Fernandes is no longer the number one pick for me. Um, he now is going to lose pens in the role in the games that Ronaldo plays, which are going to be the majority of games, particularly anything you classify as a bigger match in the Premier League. I think there is a chance that maybe Cavani or Martial or something may play in the league and Ronaldo plays Champions League when that happens. Um, but when I was having a look at it, as Mick was saying, uh, he's the main take for Portugal and he scored 81 goals for Juventus with 23 of those 81 coming from the penalty spot. Um, so he is going to be the penalty uh, man. Um, and Solskjaer has come out now and said uh, that he has not been signed to sit on the bench. So he is going to play um, and he's going to be the main focal point hopefully what i'm holding out hope is that bruno will become more of the de bruyne points rather than what he had last year where it was made a lot of goals i'm hoping that he replaces those goals with assists to ronaldo uh, but i'm sure mick won't be that disappointed with that either because he is now mick's player because he, he took the risk on the transfer last week which we may talk about a bit Oh, I later. definitely think we will talk about that. And uh, Gilby, I'm glad you did bring that up because I was going to play devil's advocate to my own question and basically say, but is he going to score more assist points? Because, you know, at the end of the day, he's a great player and no matter who is playing in front of him, he is still going to be able to find those people. And as long as those people are putting balls in the back of net, he's still going to score good points, maybe just not as many as he, as he did before. Yeah, and Ronaldo's not going to be taking corners away from anyone. He's too strong in the air. Uh, so if Bruno's still putting corners in, uh, he's now got an actual. Is Shaw putting man some corners in though? To some, um, I think Shaw from the left and Bruno from the right. Cool. Usually. Alrighty. Um, Gilby, anything else to add about your team? Or you, I think we've covered it all. Maybe your your sort of changes. Yeah, no, I'm good. Um, the only other one that I had on my notes there when I was looking at my team, um, I am really hoping um, that um, Antonio can continue his form and DCL stays on pens. Um, I'm also looking at uh, 
probably at least two transfers in the next couple of weeks, which I won't give away because I'm currently sitting <laughs> in the last spot for waivers. Oh. So there will probably be a bit of a different team for us to look at next time. Okay, well, we'll look forward to that. That'll probably mean that uh, next podcast you're you're not willing to uh, divulge some of that information either because uh, those wouldn't have gone through yet. But hey, we'll see if we can coax anything out of you. We'll, we'll, we'll see how we go. Uh, we'll jump down to my score, which is second place uh, in the league. Look, as Gilby mentioned, I was pretty happy in that I was able to claw back 12 points. And Gilby had a pretty formidable lead. So it's it's come down a little bit. I think, what are we at now? We're at a uh, 23-point gap. Does that sound about right, Gilby? So I think I'm I'm really happy that I've been able to claw that back on you. And I had a in- 20, points. 20 points. I had an interesting um, few few trades and i'll talk about those in a sec but just going through my squad really quickly um mendy three points he was able to pick up uh some a save point which um considering they were down to 10 men and he was able to sort of not concede anymore is a really good effort rudiger only one point there walker walker started played 45 minutes and was subbed off i don't think it was for an injury i don't know if anyone can can confirm that but they then got a clean sheet and i'm just livid that he wasn't on for the extra 40 or the extra 15 minutes because he would have got the six points, but he played really well. I, I, I wasn't quite sure why he got subbed. I was a bit miffed by that. Um, Diaz, six points. So that rounds out the three at the back. Ben Rama, two points, no assists or goals this week. Unfortunately, Traore, which we'll talk about soon, two points, Mane, five points. who was able to pick up a few there. My main man, Torres, Oh, Torres, 18 points. Um, I stuck with him. Uh, when we talk about my trades uh, earlier, I will, quickly chat about how close I was to turfing Torres. Glad I didn't. Barnes, two points. Bit uh, maybe more disappointed that I didn't turf him. Bamford, eight, and Ings, four. So I got something out of my forwards, which was good. I only left uh, six points noticeably on the bench with um, Digne, but that's okay. Um, I'm still really, really happy um, with, with how my team went this week. And I guess the big thing for me was... Um, with my waiver this week, I brought in Walker. So I got rid of um, Target because I thought his career was basically uh, over due to Saar just running right. So I decided, hey, we'll get rid of Target. They've got re- Aston Villa have really bad fixtures coming up. So anyone who's got Aston Villa assets in either draft or FPL, it's probably worthwhile getting rid because uh, they've got some pretty rubbish games coming up and they're probably not playing as well as they did last year just at this point. So I brought in Walker hoping for that six points. Um, against Arsenal, and he was on track and then was subbed off. So I'm pretty dirty about that. But I think Walker is a big upgrade from target. Uh, he will be under Pep Roulette and rotation, obviously. But um, at this point in time, I'm, I'm fairly happy with that, unless I find out that there was an underlying issue with him being subbed. But the big thing for me, and it was touched on earlier, is that with a free agent trade, I decided to trade in Traore from Wolves and trade out Greenwood. And I've been reflecting a bit on that trade, and I think a lot of people might think, what are you doing, Isaac? Why did you do that? And based on the points this week, you could definitely argue, well, I've, I've jumped the gum there because uh, Greenwood did, I think, get eight points. That would have been handy on my total. Traore's numbers are fantastic without the end product, and I think that that end product will come. And the big reason why I decided to to get rid of Greenwood this week is just because Ronaldo coming in. I just I'm not 
confident that Greenwood will get the game time, especially with Rashford, Rashford to come back, especially with Sancho. Um, I just, I looked at what was coming and what is in the future for that particular player. And I just don't think he's going to get the game time, unfortunately, to warrant having him in the team when Traore's underlying stats are just so good. And I just knew that he would, eventually he'll score and he'll go big. And I wanted to make sure I had him and was playing him for when he did that because I, I just think that that might start a bit of a a steamroll effect where he can score a bunch of points. And I just figured also that um, with Watford's games being so good that it was just the right time to do it. I just didn't want anyone else to take Traore because uh, his stats are incredible at this point in time. Um and I'm sure a few others might have had and that same idea. Absolutely. I had the same thought. I mean, I'm not disappointed with the guy I did pick up. I picked up four nails. We'll touch on that in a second. Um, but yeah, 100% Traore was right on the tip of getting traded, was about to bring him in. The same as you said, I just thought, well, I'm down the bottom. I'm, I know I'm below you, three of you guys. So even if I talk about it, I'm, chances are I'm going to get the first crack at it. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I, when I had a look and I saw it, because it's kind of hidden away, the free agent picks, you don't necessarily see them. It doesn't come yeah. under the waivers. The waiver shows up first. But when I saw it there, I was a bit confused. And yeah, I wish I had him, but oh well. Hope he injures himself and you drop him out next and week. The thing I'm really dirty at, like I, I understand the Ronaldo trade into Man United. I get it. I know it's going to appease a lot of fans. I'm not convinced it's going to lead to Man U winning the title personally, and Gilby might touch on that. He might have some thoughts there. But the the thing that, going beyond fantasy, the thing that really miffs me is they've got someone in Greenwood who is the future of the club, who is a really good finisher. Um, he's been pumped up for being a great finisher. He, for me, the thing that Greenwood needs is the opportunity to be the main man up front to actually learn what that means and how to do it. And with Ronaldo there for the next two years, I think it is, he's not going to get that chance. And I just worry that someone that good is going to languish and not be able to produce the sort of football that he would produce if Ronaldo wasn't there. Like he, He's going to get a good example from Ronaldo at training and doing what Ronaldo does and seeing what he does. But I just think that he's the future and he should be playing up top and scoring those goals and understanding what it means to be the focal point of that attack. That's just me. And I feel, uh, you know, I've been toing and froing on the actual trade that I made out. Um, and <laughs> I did offer him to Gilby uh, the the night before, but Gilby didn't see it because I was, or the, the actually, I was going to do it the night before Ronaldo was uh, set to go to Man U, which would have been good timing, maybe if Gilby decided to take it up me up on that. But uh, the next day I sort of tongue in cheek said, uh, so what do you reckon, uh, Greenwood for Jota? Um, I'm I'm not confident that uh, you'll you'll take it now, but uh, that was what I was maybe wanting to do as well before I decided to trade him out, Gilby. But uh, I don't know what your your thoughts are on that. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, on the trade, I would have strongly considered it mainly because of my Manchester United bias. Why I offered him um, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I figured because uh, I know um, then when I saw him on your free agent pile uh, before we did this podcast, I was like, okay, you pulled a Mick special there because Mick is famous uh, for offering trades the day before he's about to drop a player just to put some feelers out to see if he can 
bring in a player that's better than what he was going to go for anyway. Um, so Mick is a bit of a wheeler dealer there. So Isaac's pulled a bit of a move there. Um, but I think that Greenwood, I think if it was me, I probably would have made the similar move. Um, I think it's uh, he is going to be our bench player behind Ronaldo and behind Sancho, whether he plays right wing or striker. And don't forget um, Cavani's there on too. That, yeah, yep, yep. So, and Solskjaer has said that there is no plans to move Cavani out either. So it's a bit of a logjam up front. As far as the league goes, um, as far as winning the league, our midfield is our main issue. And I mean, I know several pundits have heard like Roy Keane and a few of the others talking about this. Our midfield is not good enough to win a title. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. I think we'll be in the top four, um, but I don't think we're going to win the title. Um I just don't see that happening at all. Um, as far as Greenwood, he's 19. Um, so I think they probably looked at it and gone, yes, he's the future for this club, but leading the line permanently at 19 for Manchester United, at least the way Manchester United should be playing and the ambition of what Manchester United should be, I don't think he should be leading the line permanently at 19. Didn't stop Rooney, though. Um, I think true i think rooney's a bit of a different player though um and greenwood at this point is not what rooney was um and i think that as soon as it came up i think that for the value of taking him away from manchester city um i think is worth the 20 million just for my sake anyway to be able to see, to see a, another billboard like Tevez or it was on that billboard as he came into Manchester uh, just to troll all the United supporters. Uh, to see that again with Ronaldo, that would have that really stung. So um, I'm really keen on it happening just for that sake, just to troll City back a little bit um, after all the pain they've given us over the last few seasons. From what I've heard, that's the exact reason why they signed him as well. It was a case of, and I touch on this based on, I mean, I'm hopefully going to pick him up once he's actually in the game, but um, the whole concept and being in Australia, I actually thought it was fantastic. I went to sleep being, he's going to be a city player. This is going to be amazing. Woke up and he's gone to United. And I was like, what the hell happened in <laughs> those eight hours? It was unbelievable. It, it was awesome. And I think I got messages from you guys as well, just going, what the hell is happening? Um, but from what I've heard and read since then is, it, that's exactly right. It's a case of we couldn't fathom to see him in a blue shirt. So we went out and did what they weren't willing to do and just dealt with Juventus straight off the bat. Um, I'm sure there's a little bit else, maybe a bit of Sir Alex in the in the in on the phone. Um, Rio Ferdinand's come out and said he's had a chat with him, Patrice Evra. So, I mean, I think there was a few other things rather than just the United Club as a whole, some ex-players saying, no, you can't do this, you can't ruin your legacy. Um, but yeah, I just, I think that's a hundred percent right. So they just said, you can't play for city. If you're going to come back, it's going to be with us and we'll pay you. It's a master, it's a masterclass by his agent. Let's be real. Like he's put on a masterclass to get him where he is and get the sort of money that he's getting. So, you know, good on him. I, I, I still don't agree with you, Gilby, about, about Greenwood. I, I, I just think that his quality and he should be playing and how do you, how do you learn to be that focal point of an attack? If you're not the focal point of the attack, that's just. That's just my... Maybe learning from Ronaldo would probably be a, a good opportunity, I think. Learn how to stand in the box and get something fed to you and try and put in the goal because that's what he will do. 
like Ronaldo's famous Ronaldo's famous for his commitment in training and in terms of his physical preparation. And from what I've heard, this is only like unofficial sources, that sort of stuff, over the last couple of years. Uh, Greenwood's commitment in training and off the field isn't the best. Um, so uh, that may be something that they maybe have said, we don't trust you to lead the line yet. Um, so uh, I to me, there was too much value in it from a number of different perspectives for them not to pull the trigger and uh, bring him back. Needs Ronaldo to teach him to, uh, or tell him to stop drinking Coke and drink more aqua. <laughs> You're exactly right. No, that, that's fair enough. Look, I, I'm, I've been doing and throwing on the trade. I'm happy enough with the trade. I think that I've probably done the right thing. But we'll just wait and see. It's Newcastle up next for Man U. If he does play that game, he might score a goal. But I still think when Traore goes off, that it's going to be big and that it might lead to something even bigger. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'm hoping that the trade works out for me, especially when I could have got rid of Barnes. I'm still holding on hope that Barnes is going to do something. Um, Torres, I was I was so close for that person who I swapped out to be Torres. So I'm glad that I didn't, but I saw the fixture and I figured he would play and he'd be central. And so I think a lot of people are going to flock to him now, considering they haven't picked up a striker. Um, there still will be rotation, no doubt. Um, another young guy leading the line. Um, obviously, maybe he does a lot more in training than Greenwood. I, I don't know. But, you know, it, at the end of the day, good fantasy option there. He scored me 18 points. Pretty happy. The other thing I'll say before we move on to, is it, yeah, on to Dave next is, and I'd love your comment on this, guys. The thing I'm finding about this particular game, this draft game, this uh, through the official EPL channels is that, and I said it last week, it's a lot tougher to pick your trades than it is to pick your squad week in, week out because, you know, we had a lot more people in our squads last time to choose from. But I found that right now I'm in a good position in that, a good and bad position. I was a long way behind Gilby. But I also had a big gap between me and third. And so I figured making this trade is, an, is probably a good opportunity to make some speculative types of trades to try and close the gap. Because I figured, well, I'm, st- I'm still confident I'm going to score good points and that I won't get chased down from behind as much. But I also thought that if I don't make some of these trades, it's equally going to be difficult to chase down Gilby if I think there's someone who's going to score more points than somebody else in my squad for the week. So I've got to make that trade and I've got to try and try and chase down Gilby. I don't know what you guys think if if you think I made the right call or if you think the same way that you have more opportunity to make those trades, but uh, that's just where my head was at for this particular game week when I made the trade. Yeah, I think we're definitely seeing more trades and more free agent waivers um, than we have in the past. Obviously, the small squad sizes um, force that, I guess. Uh, yeah, I I think it's very much the case with the waiver system, the way it is. Uh, if you want to stay near the top, you have to be making those trades one or two weeks in advance uh, before the likes of Mick down almost at the very foot of the mountain of the table <laughs> yeah get the chance to make those at the last minute so um yeah i mean i you can see in the waivers um that 
I was looking to pick up Neves in my midfield because Wolves have good fixtures coming up. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. can't fault picking up Traore when you did. I, you I, I followed Mick's prediction, bold prediction, because I just have so much trust in you, Mick, that Wolves were going to get over the top. You failed me. I'm never going to listen to you again. But I was just scared that he was going to score a crazy amount of points this particular week against Man U, and he would definitely be taken. I wouldn't have the opportunity. So uh, that's sort of where my head was at, Gilby. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you could maybe make an argument that you maybe dropped the wrong player in the wrong week. Um, That would be the only thing. Um, like Mick said, though, like with the benefit of hindsight, if you had waited, uh, Mick and I were both lining him up, uh, so he wouldn't have been available the next week anyway. So, uh, like, and you've uh, been able to uh, pick up 12 points on me as well. So, I mean, it's kind of worked out better than it probably could have for you. It may cost you a few points this week, but in my opinion, with the looking at the fixtures, they've got about five or six good fixtures in a row. And I think that trailer is going to more than make up for those points that Greenwood cost yeah. you this week. So I think it's a really good move. And I think what won you the title last year was your transfers. And um, I'm really hoping that that does not continue <laughs> this season. But so far, your moves and the transfers have been very good. Very nice. Look, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Um, Dave is next. Uh, Dave... Run us through it. You know, where'd your points come from? Were you happy with your week? Uh, rocks and diamonds. Where are your issues? Give it all to us. Come on. Um, yeah, I said last time that I was kind of in a wait and see um, state. Uh, I had questions over uh, my Arsenal defender, White. I had questions over whether or not Saka was going to play in enough minutes. I had questions over Furpo, who uh, I think has gotten me the grand total of zero points over the last three weeks, um, including a negative one, one and actually. a negative one. Definitely the worst signing of the yeah, draft okay. so far, just about. <laughs> uh, and I had questions over Werner with Lukaku coming in. So uh, I made what I consider to be the bare minimum trades. Um, I picked up Christensen for White. And uh, much like I was questioning myself and second-guessing myself on Deli Alley, I picked up Odegaard uh, from Arsenal to replace Saka from Arsenal, uh, purely because he's going to be involved more centrally and probably taking some set pieces um, I'd like to get your thoughts on whether or not you see that as an upgrade or not. Well, that was one we were maybe looking to talk to as someone who's sort of come in a little bit late to the game, New, newer sort of signing, but was there last year a bit of a more of a known quantity than some signings that are going to be coming in now. Um, I I think it's a good pickup because he will be playing centrally. Um, I think Smith Rowe was going to be sort of playing in that position more before Odegaard's now come in. He will have a hand in a lot more. Arsenal's fixtures do open up now. They have got a pretty good run moving forward, so it's going to be interesting to see how they um, how they progress and if their assets fantasy-wise will pay off. 
um, because you know that that could be a sneaky avenue to pick up some points here and there if they do start to actually play something that looks like football. So I don't think it's such a bad thing. Yeah, I mean it can't get much worse. Probably can not, it? but hey, you know, we'll wait and see. Who who have they haven't they got um, Norwich next? So that's that's Norwich going to be an next, interesting one. We'll yeah. talk about that next week, obviously. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I think it's a good shout, Dave. I don't think you've done yourself a disservice necessarily there. Yeah, so I'll just quickly run through. Um, I got two points from Martinez, uh, four from TAA. Varane, first start, got me 12 points, uh, got what can loosely be described as an assist. Uh, Robertson's back playing again, which is good. Um, Two points there. Two from Odegaard, uh, which given the fact they got thumped uh, 5-0, I'll take the two points. Uh, Grealish, again, involved with another assist, six points. Um, Sushek to Deli Ali too, but as I mentioned earlier, playing further up the park, he should have had a goal. Um, and then Wilson made up for his uh, abysmal effort last week with the goal. And uh, Ivan Tony got a goal as well. So um, the big one for me, though, was uh, Son. Scored a goal from a free kick, but yeah, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you could probably also give those points to Backman. Um, <laughs> on my bench, I didn't lose anything with Fabianski only getting one point. Uh, I left Firpo on the bench and he didn't even make the subs, so uh, I think he may have <clears throat> a slight injury niggle, but definitely looking to move him on now. Um, keeping in the back of my mind, though, that obviously leads fixtures open up quite nicely as well. Uh, Timo Werner, just not going to get a look in really with Lukaku in and around. So, um, yeah, they're probably the two that obviously I'll assess over the international break. Um, Firpo and Werner very much have their heads on the chopping block. But, um, yeah, I'm not... I don't usually like to be too impulsive and too reactive. I want to make sure that if I am shipping out those players, it's for the right reasons, and then I'm bringing in players that are an upgrade long-term. And I will say that, you know, you, you're making it sound a little bit worse than it is considering you, you were equal first in the week in terms of overall points. So, you know, you did something, right? I, I think that you, your team's in a pretty good spot. It's just about trying to pick up those points a little bit more consistently and looking for value where you can find value. Yeah, and I got, you know, six out of my 11 players got returns above two. So uh, I'm not, I've not got that heavy reliance on one or two players, which is good because, as we know, you know, players get rotated in or out or break down. And, yeah, I, I'm fairly happy with the balance of my team. Yeah, so the only questions I had for you, Dave, was um, Martinez missing a week. So I'll, I'll just fire probably three questions at you and we'll just go yes or no, okay? Are you going to replace Martinez? No. I um, I think he made the right move with Odegaard, all right? Are you still going to be willing to trade at Odegaard or is he long-term? Uh, still willing to trade him out. He's... Uh- yeah, he's yeah, yeah. not necessarily in there 
purely as a long term. Yes or no, option. Dave? All right. <laughs> yes. That's pretty close, though. <laughs> and are you keeping the Liverpool double up at the back long term? Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, you said yes or no answer. Let's clarify that. Um, yes. Uh, obviously, TAA and Robbo are likely to be two of the best defenders long term, if not two of the best players full stop long term. Uh, but I did say earlier, a few episodes ago, that it's nice having both of them. Uh, it gives me a bit of trade bait if, I don't know, fixtures change or if there's someone else that I want to you know, diversify my defenders and spread that risk. Um, but I see no need to trade them out unless I get an incredibly good offer to do so. Very nice. Uh, okay, let's keep going. Mick, 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 the last of us, but not last on the table at this point in time. You've you've got a shot in the arm. You've climbed your way up from the foot of the mountain. Uh, how was your game week? You've got a few big, a few big plays up your sleeve. I'm sure you'll get into that. But uh, how are you looking? How, how, what's your outlook, Mick? I mean, this week I scored 55, uh, which I think was two off the top. Scorers for the weeks of 57. Um, pretty much as you... Uh, that's probably a pretty standard game week, I think. I don't think there's too much wrong with it. I'm, I'm not... I wouldn't have it again. I'm happy with that. I think I had five... Four goal scorers for the week. So, Fournals, Buendia, Havertz and Wood all scored. Um, a lot of claret and blue in that. So, maybe there's something in that. I just need to pick more of them. Um, and then two clean sheets with Sanchez and Shaw. I think the things I like the most about that is Fornells and Sanchez, my two transfers and transactions for this week. Well, the two, uh, my second two, the second and third transactions for the week, we'll get into my first one in a second, um, picked up seven and six mm-hmm. respectively. So I think that's probably, I guess, good business in that sense. I would have had um, a crack at Fornells as well, I think, to be fair. Like he, he's looking all right at the moment, but... And we might talk about this yeah, next really next, next podcast, but uh, West Ham have just picked up a, another attacking mid. So whether or not that changes things, who knows? But yeah, um, yeah I think it's a good pick up for you. Absolutely. Yeah, so he's, he's going pretty well at the moment. I, I would, I'm hoping that based on, I guess, scores without having looked too heavy into it, um, Jared Bowen might be the guy that's probably a bit under the pump. Um, I've read a little bit about him being linked to Liverpool, which would be a bit of a surprise, but another with Shakiri going off the bench may not be the worst thing in the world. Um, it'd be great for, I guess, our, our assets in terms of keeping them around as well. So Fennels would be better there. Um, but I guess the big trade of the week now, we'll preface this with, we did this in the draft. Um, we allowed those, I guess, speculative transfers to happen. Um, in saying that, compared to previous years where we had bigger squad size, sizes, not quite as speculative as others have been. Um, but yeah, we clear with you. I had the first waiver going into last week and there was obviously the big rumours about CR7 coming in. So I cleared it with us and um, I went through and picked up effectively the rights to CR7. Um, and I was happy to use that as my, I guess, first waiver. And I cleared it with everyone else. I said, I'm picking up Isaac's success from Watford. He is going to be CR7. Um, obviously it takes a bit of a loyalty system. You guys need to pass up on him for me to get him. Um, 
probably <laughs> deal with that as it comes to. I think there's only one person I'm really worried about doing that and it happened straight after the draft. So let's face it, it probably will. Um, but we've got a bit of time to work that out. But So yeah, I've got him on the bench. So CR7 coming in, which I think having made up 15 points on Gilby that this week alone, obviously still 50 or 70 behind, something like that. Um, but 35 rounds to go. So two points around, achievable. Guy like CR7 coming in, who I think I've read a few times, averages over 200 points a season for the years he was in the Premier League, which, yes, that's nine years ago, something like that. Um, if you can get me something close to that again, it really helps. Um, one thing I'll throw out to you is who I dropped for him. Now, we've picked him up as a forward. Um, I had the choice. My three forwards were Adams, Wood, and Watkins. I debated long and hard for a long time about which one of those three to drop. It was tough. And my logic here is I could have dropped Adams. He's playing a little bit behind Adam Armstrong. At the time, Adam Armstrong was available. I said, well, if I drop him, I can pick up one of the two. I don't think I'll have much issue getting one back. Exactly the same with Ashley Wood. Uh, sorry, with Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes. I could have dropped Wood and had Barnes. My issue was I don't want to drop playing players for someone that's not playing. So my last striker was Ollie Watkins, um, who hasn't been playing because of an injury he picked up, I think, in a preseason game, a knock. Um, and Danny Ings has obviously been playing up front, so he's a bit of an unknown. So I ended up dropping Watkins mainly to have a full starting team. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if he goes this week. I dare say someone will probably have a crack, especially if there's another 10 days or so until the waivers close. Um, but yeah, just be interested to know opinions on if that's who you would have dropped or what the go would have been there for you guys. I think you dropped the right person, Mick. I think Woods is going to score 10 plus goals. You'll need to pick when to play him to make sure you get the benefit for those goals. But he's a pretty reliable um, points getter in the past. So I, I don't see any reason why you know he's the one that should have gone. Um, Watkins not playing. Good player, but not playing. You you can't afford in draft to have players not playing, I don't think. And it goes with FPL anyway as well. But, you know, there's no limit on um, uh, monetary value in this particular game. So you just got to have guys that are playing. Renato, he'll come in. He will play. He will get your points. So probably that was the right person to drop. Fixture-wise, we've mentioned before, Aston Villa's fixtures get really difficult. So probably the right call there for me. Um, I do have a point about the the person you're a bit frightened about who uh, might accidentally just snake the, uh, the the Ronaldo pick from you, which I'll talk about in a second. But Gilby might have a little bit more input into the, to your question just for the time being, Mick. So we'll jump over to him. Yeah, no, just really quickly. Um, for me, it was the wrong call. I would have dropped Adams. Um, I had him last year and did precisely not much for me. Uh, he'll give you lots of appearance points and will maybe give you three to five goals. Uh, to me, Watkins presents much more upside and I would have been much happier to keep Watkins in my team. If I didn't have three strikers who, despite Aubameyang and Arsenal struggles, if I didn't have three strikers I'm really happy with, he would be top of my waiver list this week. Yeah, and on that point, um, you know, I obviously mentioned that Timo Werner's on the chopping block for me. Um, Ollie Watkins came on in about the 80th minute, so uh, he's getting over his injury problems. Um, he's got an extra weekend with the international break. Uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely 
well and truly keeping my eye on Ollie Watkins uh, as that potential third striker um, as a replacement for Timo Werner, who, you know, could potentially come in with a Ferran Torres 18-point haul now and then, but it might be six weeks of zero points um, or one point five minute um, bench appearances until that happens. So I think Ollie Watkins is going to be the more consistent option there. There's no doubt that Watkins is going to score more points than Adams. So I understand your point there, Gilby, but the fixtures are tough. Fixtures can be king. Aston Villa aren't the Aston Villa that they were last year at this point in time. They still have a little bit of betting in to do. Um, Plus, the three of us... Um, and this is no disrespect to Mick, but the three of us won't have a chance with him if Mick decides to get him again anyway because, uh, you know, Mick's going to have the, the uh, a better waiver pick than us, so he's shaking his head there. He might go back in for him anyway. I did have that in the back of my mind. I was like, well, it is always there, which, uh, like you said before, before I guess we started recording, but I do, we can drop someone and pick them up. If you come in last, you can wheel and deal like that because you get first crack. No one else gets a chance to respond. But I think one thing I've noticed with Adams this year is, I know what you said in saying, Gilby, he's not necessarily a prolific goal scorer, but I think he's kind of got a bit of a different role this year, which is kind of surprising considering they had Danny Ings last year. But with Adam Armstrong, he's definitely more of the creative type this year. So I don't know if they're playing more like a 4-4-1-1, like a secondary striker in behind. But he's had two assists already. Um, if you look at his, uh, the FPL ICT rankings, he's the 17th in terms of index. Obviously, there's a few guys that haven't played yet. But that makes, in, I guess, if there's eight of us, three people, there's 24 players, he's still in the top 24. So I guess he's still there at the moment. So I don't think he's necessarily the worst. Um, and if they do get a run of decent fixtures, which they don't straight off the bat with City, Wolves and Chelsea to come up. But um, you know, from week nine, Burnley, Watford, Villa and Norwich in a row. So potentially, obviously, if I hold them that long, but could be something after that. I just wanted to quickly mention our good friend, Nathan. Now, Mick mentioned that, you know, we've decided, yep, we can do speculative trades. We just pick up someone from the waiver who's not going to play, and then we swap them in later. And that's sort of how we operated before in our in our own league when we were doing it based on uh, in Excel. So we've always had, sort of had that rule that we can do those speculative trades. Moving over to the official Draft Fantasy uh, app and, and using that platform, obviously that's not built in, so we've, we've just done that ourselves. As you can imagine, Mick, Nathan wasn't entirely happy because he's dropped to last. He's got the first waiver choice and he can't get Ronaldo now, which, you know, the whole idea of the waiver is to be able to pick up, you know, the best player possible and potentially, you know, push yourself up. And, you know, you've scored pretty good points this week and, and Nathan sort of uh, hasn't. He's got a bunch of players who aren't playing at the moment. So as you could imagine, Mick, he was a little bit disappointed that that's already happened and uh, he, he told me as such. Um, and I can't guarantee that he's just not going to decide to take him. No, he won't do that. But, you know, he, he, he sort of just said to me, like, moving forward, if we're going to use the, the official draft fantasy, maybe perhaps we should use all of the official draft fantasy rules, So, which is something to consider and moving forward. I, I, I completely agree with that. I think it is there. The only reason I brought it up is I knew I had the first waiver and we knew we did it in the draft. Um, I know some of the draft was a little bit different, but I guess if it hasn't been cleared, if it's not in the game, it's not yeah. in the game. So. And- but yeah, something we can consider next year. And I know having followed a bit of the Facebook or Twitter, I should say, 
Draft Boys, um, one of their players actually deliberately did that as well. He went out and picked up three players who deliberately aren't playing. Um, so scored zero, dropped down. So he's yeah. only got 100 points across yeah. three rounds um, and, to make sure he could get him. So he's left himself yeah. a and bit I of a catch And I asked up. Nathan, I said, mate, would you have tanked? To get him. And he said, absolutely, I would have tanked <laughs> to get him. So he was already on that wave. Like, and to be fair, he probably didn't have to do too much not than, you know, than, than what he actually was able to produce this week, unfortunately. But um, he, yeah, he's like, yeah, I would have tanked to to have the first crack at him. But transfers are still happening. Um, we'll talk next week about the new incomings and potential good waivers, potential good pickups for Fantasy Premier League. Um, there could be a really good shout there that he might be able to pick up. Um, but it's just not going to be as good as as Ronaldo, unfortunately. Um, well, speaking of the deadline day drama, mm. there I was, I was just looking and I'm following the deadline day stuff. So there's drama Arsenal. So three things have Uh-oh. just happened. Uh, Ainsley Maitland Niles has just been dismissed from training for posting his yes. thing on Instagram where he's saying he just mm-hmm. wants to play. So he's out. Uh, speaking of outs, Bellerin is apparently on his way to yep. Real Betis in Spain. And to replace him, Arsenal have paid $20 million for Takihiro Tomiyasu, a Japanese centre-back and right-back from Bologna. So that's going to be a really interesting one because Bellerin has been a great player for them over a long period of time. Hasn't played the last couple of seasons, but uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be an interesting situation to follow Arsenal because... If they are going to turn this around, it has to happen over the next four or five weeks because they've got a good run coming up. And if they're still somewhere down the bottom, uh, Arteta does not survive until Christmas uh, if he doesn't turn it around over the next four or five weeks. Just quickly, boys, I'm just having a look right now. Four minutes ago, FPL tweeted, Cristiano is now in the game at 12.5 million as a forward. So I will cue that if he's in the game officially, but maybe they've only announced it so far. Um, but I guess that one little slight crisis, and it probably saves me more than anyone else, um, is I don't have to give up both Watkins and a mid to get him. Um, it's only a mid, uh, forward. Um, but yeah, he is officially in the game, 12 and a half, so equal with Harry Kane, which would be interesting to see. I think it was Harry Kane, 12.5, mm-hmm. and maybe Salah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so interesting to see. But yeah, he's now officially in the game. I just love that Arsenal have spent more than anyone this transfer window and are sitting bottom of the table. And just to put it into perspective, the last team that I can recall who did that were Fulham uh, when they were relegated um, the time before last. So that just shows you how far (laughs) Arsenal have fallen down the precipice of the English Premier League. So I think that sort of of puts it in perspective there. Um, Look, I think we've made a pretty good fist of it this week, boys. I think next week we will have a look at some of the incoming players that that we've touched on, who could be some good waiver picks. We'll have a look at talking about what we might change in our teams and then also talk about our um, game weeks coming up. So it's going to be a good episode next week. Uh, That'll hopefully keep us going with no EPL this weekend. Hopefully there's some good international football to maybe... uh, watch over the next uh, weekend but guys if there's nothing else at this point um we might we might call it a day and um we will catch everyone next week rightio so guys from us thank you cheers boys yep thanks for that good luck to everyone except for isaac uh bad luck to you well you know with trey or i'm set it's all fine (laughs) all right catch us later